Hello and welcome to the 8th episode of the 4th season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. I'm your host, Rory O'Kane, and as always, I'm joined by Scott Fotheringham. It's Plebs on Footy. Banjo, we decided we're doing episode 1 of season 1 of Plebs on Thrones. Isn't that what we're doing? You loved the episode last night, didn't you? You absolutely frothed <laughs> it from few, what you've been saying. I had a few issues with oh, it. More than a few. Uh, you were just being your typical grump self. I loved it. I thought it was absolutely Scott, riveting, I would, I would, Banjo. I would, I, would, I would not expect someone with the intellectual capacity of someone who doesn't even think that two people could have fit on the raft to really get my problem. Like, you haven't even seen Titanic. Your opinion <laughs> on movies and TV shows is completely irrelevant. You haven't seen Titanic. Uh, who gives but a it was shit? definitely Movie. A lot more riveting than football. I don't care about football, Banjo. It sucks. Remember Still? that week when both our sides won a few weeks ago? That yeah, was nice. Yeah, I mean, it happened once this year. We're, we're bottom of the ladder. What yeah. odds would we have I had? I say, North had, a, North had a very successful week. We moved up a position. Oh, just, just. I mean, you've got Carlton this week. Oh, you'd be so nervous about that. I'm though. very nervous. You'd be absolutely <laughs> if we blow it, they've got no Collett, they've got no Simpson, no Newman, and potentially no Cruiser. Oh. Yeah, that could be the end of uh, Scotty. Yeah, well, if he uh, loses... It wouldn't quite. But no. It would, it would get the heat up to that level. It would be, yeah, right on the flame. But yeah. anyway, let's move on. Yeah, we're moving on to uh, everyone's favourite segment, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title derives from the line in Happy Gilmore, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, who gives a shit, and we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless games of the round. Disappointing round of football, I have to say. Like... It yeah. makes my life really hard when I have to put every game into the gold jacket, green jacket <laughs> formula because they're all contenders. And I, I, I'm, I want us to fly through this one because yeah. I really well, have That is the point of the say. segment. We, have, we are starting to get into the mid-season milieu or milieu, however yeah. you say that word, where it's a bit more of a trudge than the start of the season. We're starting to get a bit more of a grip on the sides and it's not as surprising as it was to start the year. Well, did you get nine out of nine tips? Uh, no, I got Adelaide uh, wrong. I did because I thought they were all very predictable results. We're actually starting to understand who are the good teams and who are the bad teams, as sad as it is for that to say. But one <laughs> vote we are giving GWS defeated Sydney by 41 points. Now, it was the Battle of the Bridge. But since when does anybody care about the Battle of the Bridge? Yeah, Particularly I... when the only interesting battle, which is normally Buddy versus Phil Davis, didn't happen because they were true. both laid out. Uh, and to be honest, GWS won by 41 points because they're a lot better than Sydney. Yeah, Sydney are ordinary. They started, started trying to bring the ball through the middle and that's a big change from last year where they're a bit more around the wings. But they turned the ball over because they're not good enough to execute the strategy and they're just pretty ordinary. Yeah, it, like, it was somewhat of a contest. It wasn't, for most of the game, it wasn't a thumping. It was GWS just a little bit in front, but yeah. eventually their class they just, just kicked. Cause they just better. showed through. They and, dealt with... Injuries that sort of really hampered Cornelio and Whitfield as well, who both were... Yeah, true. Potentially that could be lasting a week or two. Yeah, well, Cornelio is likely to play Whitfield unlikely, and Davis is also likely from Leon Cameron's presser. So that's about as good as you can say. uh, Two out of three ain't bad. And the only other thing to say is good thing for rainy. It's raining Kent. uh, Toby Green looking very, very good. You'd be very jealous because I know how much you love him. But anyway... Have you seen my forward line, just as an aside? Yes, I have seen your forward line. Let's not talk about that. Moving on, two votes we're giving Fremantle. I have the top three scoring forwards. Two votes we're giving Fremantle <laughs> defeated the Western Bulldogs by 19 points. Again, not a heap to say. Frio, look, they're, they're looking all right. They're looking like a, a pretty reasonable side, which I'm quite happy about because I need a bit of joy mm-hmm. in my life because I do like the Dockers. Uh, forward line's still operating quite well, which was, you know, we thought that might take a little bit of time to click and it hasn't taken that long, really. No, um, and no, it hasn't. Again, it was, it, it was a contest for most of the game, but in the end, Fremantle were 
But they were clearly the better team. They were always going to run away. Yeah, well, the Bulldogs are awful. So this is a game you have to win at home for yes, Frio. I know like, that's Frio, your at this point, you kind of got to look and go, you're wanting to make the eight. That's your goal from here. They're four and two. That's got to be the goal. It's possible. You sort of, internally, they have to reset expectations. And this was a must-win game for them on that perspective. And they won it. They didn't do it particularly prettily, but they won. Yeah, G's losing at Gold Coast. <laughs> really, look in hindsight, that really hurts. And they could be, yeah. what, 5-1? and one. Yeah, and yeah. joint top of the ladder. Yeah. And the percentage is really good too, so it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be that far yeah. off top. Yeah, after smashing you. Yeah, well, but, we do uh, account for most of their good percentage, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, as the most important thing out of the Western Bulldogs game, as always, it's now time for another Billy Gowers watch. Billy, 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 Billy Gowers. Billy, Billy, Billy. So we're not going to talk about beverage needing to be fired this week. I was wondering why you look so confused, Ben. Yeah, well, I just thought we'd get to the. So you, you think end. beverage getting sacked is a more significant thing than talking about Billy Gow? No, but you just saved the best to last. Actually, yeah, well, no. I so really would like beverage to be sacked. Mate, that's a, that's I've a had a look at too. the running sheet. You're going to be bagging beverage later on, as Am always. I? You've got to slot it in into our segments. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Move on. I said <laughs> we're moving through Gold Jacket, Green Jacket quickly, but old mate Billy Gow was a. Uh, is this identical to his stats last week? No, I think he took a few it's, marks it's last week. It's significantly worse. It's uh, <laughs> four kicks, five handballs, zero marks, zero tackles, and uh, one goal too, yeah. which that part is the same as last week. That I remember is. that quite clearly. He missed a shot that would have really put the game in dispute. I think there were two goals down with five minutes to go, and he hit the post, running into an open goal and burnt a guy in the goal square. I don't know, Matt. I'm sounding a bit, getting a bit worried that you're... <laughs> You're, no, no, no. You've been slandering him a little bit. Oh, okay. Just little digs here yeah. and there. Just little comments. You, I don't know. You've been making a few comments you're worried I'm about honestly, his position in the team. I'm, honestly, I'm, not... I'm starting to look for a new cult. Like, I, I just need a cult. And I'm, my eyes are starting to open up. You don't tell me you're jumping onto Grind Myers watch. I mean, we've talked about no, it a little no, bit. No, not yet. Not yet. Not Billy, yet, Billy is still our hero, okay? Billy is still our hero. But um, I don't know. If the cult leader hands out the Kool-Aid, I'm not sure I'm drinking at this point. I'm not going down with the ship. I'm not so. Sh- I'm not so sure. I'm going down with the ship, mate. We I know. know we I know, know the... it's sacrilege, but some some people have to be heretics to move the world forward. You know, the plebs on footy podcast is in a dark, dark place when you're making comments like that. But, yeah, uh, look, I could handle it if North were good. I I could stay with the faith, but you know, when I just I'm not sure I can believe in a football god if North are doing this to me, and I'm just my faith is being questioned. I believe in him, Banjo. Just like Jon Snow, he will he will rise again. I believe in him. But anyway, moving on. Three <laughs> votes we are giving to the the damn Q clash. Brisbane defeated Gold Coast. I can't Coast. believe this didn't get full occasion. Can you points. let me do my bit? <laughs> Brisbane defeated Gold Coast by 49 points. So to those teams we say... Gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit? Yeah, well, how, this is one of the great rivalries in Australian sport. Let's <laughs> <Is it laughs> get is on it. The last four games have all been decided by a kick or less. Yeah, you don't see that in any other... Uh, AFL. This was 49 go- points. Yeah, well, this one maybe, but you know, the rival rivalry's been built up and you got to respect that. I, I just don't understand this. Brisbane, you know, premiership favourites nearly at this point. So I was just ragging on the Battle of the Bridge saying no one really cares about that, but there actually is a little bit of spite there. They actually do dislike each other a little bit. It started with the whole buddy looking like he's going to go to GWS yeah, and then yeah. going to Sydney and then they played some finals against each other. They played some good games. There's a little bit of anger there. Brisbane and Gold Coast do not give a toss. You watch that game and it's one of those things every like 15 minutes the commentators would just be like, 
Well, just a reminder that this is the Q Clash. Sort of. like, they just got to remind everyone. <laughs> I, that it's I not do just think an they need to game. rename it though. I've seen it floating around on Twitter. There is a better name out there. What are you going with? The Pineapple Grapple. God, I hate you, man. <laughs> it's I, I so hate good. you with a passion. But uh, did you have any? Tell me that's not a better name than the Q Clash. It's not a better name than the Q Clash. <laughs> it's a funnier name. It's not a better name. That is and, ridiculous. But it's still better than the Battle of the Bridge. I bloody hate that. <laughs> but uh, did you any takes out of this game in particular? Uh, no, Brisbane. You said you watched a little bit of it. Yeah, well, I, I was I was setting up for my brother's twenty first, and um, it was on in the background. Yeah, no, I didn't really take much out of it. Yeah. Brisbane are better side, and they're okay to pretty good. Gold Coast are bad to okay on a good day, I guess. Yeah, okay. That's well, about that, it. That's, that's why it's three votes in Gold Jacket, yeah. Green Jacket. So we got through that kind of quickly. Kind uh, of. For us, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I think it's a tick. I'm happy no, to, I'm happy to have that. a grand theological discussion. It's better to be in that, <laughs> that segment. <laughs> All right, Banjo, let's, let's move on. Yeah, we're moving on to the Cane Corns Call of the Week, a segment where we look at the media, pick out the best and biggest call made over the week and then make one ourselves just to you know keep the edge of leave and not get too arrogant so uh this week it comes from our boy this was a late this was a late inclusion this was such this was, a late inclusion we were, the only reason it got in there was because our producer liam was struggling a little bit with the microphone so we had to we had technical and difficulties and we, and we came up with a cracker a better one. Like, in all honesty robo must be so annoyed this isn't named after him no, he's but, flying at the moment but he's, put, take, he's trying we should do a tally of who has the most cane corns calls oh, i'd be him at least this year he's had three four yeah he's flying yeah, at the moment 51 this and like four others. Yeah. But anyway, his take: <laughs> North should put Ben Brown up for trade. <laughs> this is excellent. So we're currently shit, right? We'll we'll, we'll come to that. We've, we're Correct. agreed on that. Yes. Yeah, so far, you're you right. You yeah. last year were pretty awesome. Mm. I mean, that hurts me to say, but you were pretty good. Pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I like that. Term. You then traded your Ben Brown, your Jesse Hogan, <laughs> and you've now bottom of the ladder. Nah, look- and he thinks we should decide to get. Worse. I guess there is not much further down for us to go, but still, that's ridiculous. No, I don't mind this, mate. I'm telling you, <laughs> mate, I'm so happy about this. I would be willing to give you Stephen May and Kay Golajasny for him. Oh, that's not the first oh, time. That rigid passion, <laughs> seriously. We might even chuck and pick one on top of it. I mean, Golajasny's not existent now. Yeah, and to be terrible. fair, that, so that's May like... and pick one. I would do that. I honestly would. Oh. That's how terrible our forward line is. And Stephen May is just fat and injured. And Cole Jasny's just soft. Honestly, like I probably would do that because <laughs> we've got Nick Larkin now who's a Jet. Would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I probably would actually. Uh, yeah, well, it's meant you to be wouldn't. a good draft. <laughs> yeah, no, I draft, probably would. But draft. I would give you May and Cole Jasny. I, je- <laughs> yeah, I definitely I would take that. that. No, no one's that dumb. <laughs> no one's that <laughs> no, dumb. No, who's your list manager? Josh Marnie? Uh, Josh Marnie's no, that dumb. Uh, no, no, he's the footy boss or something. Oh, he's you have, uh, oh, what's his name? Simon Taylor. He's from, uh, he used to be from Collingwood. He's, called, he's meant to be really good. And he's largely <laughs> done quite a good job until this last time. But anyway, uh, my Kane Corns call, it's not a uh, Melbourne or North Melbourne related, which is uh, interesting. I'm impressed. I'm going to say Jake Lloyd being the best and fairest winner of last year, Jake Lloyd, Sydney. Mm-hmm. I, I the think name. he should be dropped. <laughs> I think he makes Sydney a worse team. Interesting I- how. So you've heard me rip into Rory Laird in the past for yes. playing the easiest role in the game where yes. he literally just takes sideways kicks and kicks them to the you other side. You do neglect the fact that Rory Laird is good defensively as well. Uh, so that's... so Okay, he's, I think he's passable defensively. I think Jake Lloyd is that. not good defensively yeah. at all. He's not a good kick. 
He racks up disposals and he takes them nowhere. They are a very slow team. They struggle with ball movement. And the fact that a lot of their ball ends up coming through, Jake Lloyd, who takes a mark, takes a few steps back, slows the game down, and then chips it sideways and doesn't get them moving forward... That that's not helpful for Sydney at no, all. No, it's an interesting choice, especially when they've now got Harry Cunningham playing the exact same role. For some reason, they decide they need two of those players. I, I don't understand why they why he won the best and fairest. I, I watch a Sydney game. He does not he does not contribute. He, no. he gets the stats, but he does not push them forward as a team at any point. He's he's a negative defensively, and he's. He gets the ball, but he doesn't use it in a way that assists them in any way. Yeah, it's such an interesting coaching choice for having him play that way. Like, I'm sure there are roles he'd be more impactful in. Like, but they have decided he's going to be sort of the last link and be the guy that flicks the switch across every time. He's such a Brandon Ellis. It's it's just just not an yeah. It's it is, and it's as much about the role because Brandon Ellis this year has been a bit more impactful because he's playing a different role. Yeah, so it is largely about the role he's playing. But there was, but with with Richmond at that time, there was a thing of they were playing that negative style that wasn't helping them. I mean, Brandon Ellis was like the perfect example of that. Someone yeah. who just got and cheap stats for it. and didn't drive them forward. And then when Richmond actually became good, they realised actually Brandon Ellis is very touch and go. Whether he's in the best team, I'm getting a few of those vibes with Jake Lloyd. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Oh, thanks, um, Banjo. It'd be bad for my fantasy team, but other than that, <laughs> oh yeah, that's <laughs> another reason. <laughs> <laughs> he's not in my draft team, so you're not worried about oh, it. But he's okay. in the other one. Okay. Uh, but anyway, mine is uh, Andrew Gap. Graf has dropped off considerably. Um, I think that's pretty inarguable. But considerably? Yeah. Well, he's, well, let's finish the take. Yeah. And I'm glad Doc didn't get him. <laughs> he goes right next to Dusty. You can't just keep going through See, all of the players that you've missed out on who go through form slumps and say how pleased you are that North didn't get them. That doesn't make North seem okay, Banjo. Yeah, you well, still they, missed out. Well, I, I, think, still I, think, I think we need to start talking about the North curse because every player that turns us down... Josh Kelly's been injury prone since then. Ah. Justin Martin, <laughs> injury prone and uh, injury prone, angry and not as good. Andrew Gav is now the worst kick in the competition according to Champion Data by a pretty significant margin too. It's an article on that's AFL. really weird because he's not a bad kick. No, he's an excellent kick, but he's playing a bit of a Jake Lloyd Seagull role at the minute. He's uh, he's, he's not doing anything. He's back with on it. wing, he's, isn't he? Yeah, and he's missing targets. Why do they? I suppose Sheed is the reason they put him Except back on wing. Sheed's playing half forward at the moment, in. and it's really frustrating. Again, yeah. for fantasy reasons. <laughs> I wonder, I had heard a bit that uh, Andrew Gaff really put down a lot of his improvement last year to, to Mitchell. Sam Mitchell. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's probably reading into things too much. Yeah, and you wouldn't interesting. have forgotten what Sam Mitchell told you to yes, do. Yes, yes. But And he's playing a different role, yeah. which doesn't accentuate him as much. But if maybe it was but a we'll Mitchell... Get, we'll thing. get to West Coast later, but their midfield balance is just off. It says, maybe it's a Mitchell thing tapping... Uh, yeah, Simpson on the shoulder and saying this guy can yeah, do more put him put him in the middle put him yeah. in the middle. now he doesn't have that anymore I don't know I don't know but something's gone a bit weird there with the midfield and maybe it could be a Sam Mitchell thing and maybe maybe it could anyway let's move on game of the round Richmond defeated <laughs> Melbourne by 43 points very clearly not a gold jack green jacket contender I'm glad your system worked appropriately um, you just got flogged um Pretty ordinary performance. <laughs> to be honest, I forgot this game even happened, to be <laughs> it honest. It did happen a week ago. Is it worth talking about? Can we just talk about Game of Thrones instead? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Game of Thrones, but no. This, the, we need to really ruminate on this. Richmond are playing better. They've got look like they've got a bit more hunger back, which is kind of what they rely on in a lot of ways. Yeah, their system's working again. Yeah. There was another game where it felt like they were just... They've bolstered their midfield enough to get it competitive again with guys like Jack Ross coming in and 
playing yeah, better football they than found, I know, Sydney yeah. stack. They've just they have found a few. Which yeah, I, I think Liam more, Baker looked really good. I really do believe that that's less about having the talent underneath, and it's more about having such a good system in place that anyone can yeah, come into you're it maximizing and look talent. okay. Yeah, um, and so that's not a knock on any of those players. They're doing a very very good job. But yeah, they they they're scrapping their way along. Obviously, Rewald going down isn't nice for them, and I think they still they don't quite have that star power in there at the moment for me to really see them as they could be winning a premiership. No, but they're scrapping along and they're keeping themselves in the season, and then maybe it could yeah, they're a game the off top four or something, aren't they? Like they're they're right in the hunt or percentage of top four. So they like they haven't handicapped themselves to no, the point where once they get healthier because they're not getting rants back. Yeah, I mean, but once be, they get healthier, it's not hard. But yeah, that's true. You are an easy beat. Um, yeah, they're, they're there. And that's all they really can ask for at the moment. The Rewalt injury kills them. That's really harmful because it's just going to take them... They're not getting an opportunity to see Rewalt and Lynch work together properly. And yeah. it's, it's, it's going to start becoming an issue if late in the year they don't have the chemistry. Yeah, they're not exactly going to be able right. to build they, it. They don't... But yeah, there's a certain time of the year in which you need them to be clicking, and it doesn't seem like they're going to get the time in to be able no, to do that. No, because Rewalt's out for eight weeks. So yeah, as, that is uh, interesting. Tom Brown guessed correctly. <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, I probably should say one or two things about. Yeah, that. yeah, look, yeah. Look, to be honest, at halftime I was actually like really pleased. I was pleased with the fact that we were trying something different. We had numbers behind the ball. We had more players mm. around the ball to try to you know, contain it a bit more because we'd obviously been destroyed so badly on the spread in recent times that we sort of kept ourselves in the game. We had a couple of, in the first quarter, we had a couple of really nice pieces of ball movement, which I was like, I'd forgotten we could do that. Like, what's going on here? And then there was little stuff like, you know, Hibbard did a pretty good job on uh, Dusty. Yep. And then uh, Melcham started in the middle and played pretty well. I was just, I I was pleased. him out of the middle, which was an interesting choice. Yeah. I I don't know why we did that. He was the only, he was one of the reasons why we were getting that ball movement going was he was getting it further afield and he's, yeah, he's such a damaging kick. Um, Tom McDonald going back, of course, something a bit different there. I just, I like the fact that we were doing something different because something different had to happen and we were still in the contest. In the end, Richmond just kind of out- overpowered us. They were just harder for longer, and eventually the yeah. the wheels just came off in the last quarter for when us. We City were terrible Stack in the is last few Putting minutes. Jack Viney on his ass and hurting his shoulder enough to be out for a fortnight, you just have been out muscled, and that's pretty indicative yeah, of what that, happened. And that, that was just one of those things where it was just he got hit at the perfect time yeah. on the perfect <laughs> spot, but it, it did feel like it took the wind out of us a little bit. We were still just grinding our way, staying in the game. When that happened, it just felt like. I think we're done yeah. here. And then the wheels just completely fell off. Was your defensive running better? Uh, I felt like it wasn't as important because of the fact that we made it such a congested yeah. game. We had, there were so many numbers around the ball that it didn't really release to the outside a lot. And it just became a contest, which was what our plan was. And for the most part, it kept us in the game longer than I expected. All but, right, so uh, a bit of tactical improvement from... Yeah, Goody. No, no, he he does change. He's we've seen it a lot in the past, so I think he will keep tinkering with stuff. We he's tried so years, hard. He's got four years to figure it out. We we tried so hard to get our forward line to work. We tried so many different things with different players starting at the square and stuff, and it just never did because you know we're relying on Sam Wiedemann and he is terrible, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yes, yes, but that's he that is. misery. Robo actually had a good take. Uh, why he was asking why Jack Silvani cops so much more shit than uh, Sam Wiedemann when Wiedemann went. 50-odd picks higher. Very, very, very fair <laughs> enough. Very fair enough. Wiedemann's... Oh, God, he's, he's killing me at the moment. Killing uh, me. At least watch. he'll be cheap on 650k a year. Uh, Mr. 650. <laughs> well, let's move on. Collingwood defeated Essendon by four points in what was 
Very controversial results. It was very controversial. I'm going to be honest with you, Banjo. You know I don't pay a lot of attention to the umpiring at the yes. best of times. I didn't really notice it. Well, I didn't sh- have an issue with it at all until they were booing. I'm like, oh, they're booing the umpires, I think. Oh, that's pretty pretty grim of them. Like, I, did, you, did you think it was that egregious? Oh, I watched it in a pub and it's a bit hard to... Focus a hundred percent, and it was it was like it was okay. Like there were some things where you went, yeah, yeah, probably not. But it wasn't, it wasn't the worst umpiring performance I've ever I, seen. I, I really didn't think it was that, that last free kick. That was blatantly there. That was a push in the back. Mm. There was another one which went the other way. Went to Collingwood down the other end, where there was someone literally grabbed him around the neck and threw him to the ground, and all the Collingwood supporters were losing their shit about that. It was just. It's felt like one of those days where everyone's getting angry for no reason. Yeah, there's 90,000 people there. Everyone's getting on top of each other's emotions and it just builds. And, like, it's a great thing about atmosphere, but I think that's largely the reason it... And the atmosphere, so the Essendon supporters were really on edge. It was actually mm. made. They kicked, like, one goal early in the third. And I just, like, I turned... I was sitting with Alex, Colin, yeah. I turned to him like, Jesus, the Essendon supporters are up and about. Like, there was just a real intense... Uh, they were just absorbed in the contest. It, it mm. felt like for them, they saw it as like their season being like there. It felt like a really big deal being there. Like well, if Essendon. they had have won, it would have been a we're serious sort yeah. of moment. And to be honest, the way they played still kind of is a we're serious moment. Like it's Arguably, a pretty yeah. it's a pretty impressive performance. There's a little bit of extra motivation in the game itself that you have to take into account and factor in. But their last four weeks has been good. Like yeah, they've they've been good been, over the last yeah. four weeks. It has been. I, I, I've said before, I, I don't see them as a a top team. Just no. I don't think their systems and their structures are good enough. I, I thought they were, they, it was the best I've seen them by a long way on the weekend. Yeah, uh, I'd they, agree with that. Although they got beaten out of the blocks, they hung in the game really, really well. And then they were pretty powerful when they turned it on, which, as we know, is the case. Can, can I ask, what did you think of the booing? I don't think I've heard your opinion on it. Um, I'm generally... Like, I tend to have pretty mixed feelings on booing in general. Like, some places I'm... I am pretty vindictive as a person. Yes, you are. So, in some situations, I'm very for it. Like, if I was a Brisbane fan, I would have booed the absolute shit out of Beams. Yeah, okay, yeah. Others, like, goods and probably this. It's just... That's not a good enough motivation to boo. Like, the, yeah. like I think the goods uh, booing was motivated largely by racism especially by the end of it. And I think this... I'm not a massive fan of Anzac Day and what it stands for. It's a, like my own sort of personal philosophy. Yeah, okay. But it still deserves a bit more respect than booing. Like if we're going to have these traditions that, I don't know, a bit crass at times, but if we're going to have them, you've got to actually, like as a society, choose to respect them. And I don't think booing a player on on a medal that's supposedly important and stands for all this Anzac spirit is just, I don't think that's good enough. Yeah. I, look, I hated it. There's a bit, there's the disrespect for Pendlebury stuff. There's the disrespect for the Anzac stuff. But the, I think the thing which got me about it was just that the game's over. Suck it up. Like it just seems so childish. It was, we asked the players to shake hands and move on at the end yeah. of the game. It just, it just, they just needed to grow up a little bit. It was, it just, it felt really pathetic and just sore losers. And yeah, I just and don't if, boo if after Pendlebury a game. If had done anything, like had it been a cause of yeah. it at all, like maybe, probably, probably not. Probably still not. not yeah. the game, the game's <laughs> over and he's just but, trying. But like, it would have been more understandable. Yes. Like you're booing the umpires ostensibly. But what you're actually doing is just 
like Essendon put so much into Anzac Day. Both sides put so much into Anzac Day as a day that is culturally significant for their football clubs and for Australia. And their fans just said, fuck that. <laughs> like yeah. this is just a normal yeah, game I, of football. Yeah. Like they just contradicted everything. I, I did feel like it. it went against what was a really good game, which was disappointing. Can I make one quick point on this game? Sure, can. I uh, so I Jordan Degoe is in my fantasy team, so I was watching him quite closely being at the game. I was had a beautiful seat, says second level on the Ooh. wing. It was actually incredible. Uh, but God, watching their forward system and how it works in comparison to having watched Melbourne <laughs> recently, like. It was frightening. I'd watch like Dugowie would come off the bench. It'd be like Stevenson would be like the deepest forward at that point. And Dugowie would either wave Stevenson to go back to the square or to go up and then Dugowie would go back to the square. Yeah. And then the way it always worked out was the person who was the deepest forward would be leading up at the ball carrier. The forward who was second deepest would end up wheeling around the back and mm. then they'd be leading into that space. Yeah. And it was just, it was frightening to see the way it was just like, you do this, Stevens would be like, yep, sweet. And then they just always had space and they always yeah. had space for each other and they were always leading for each other. And this is like, I don't think Tagoe is thought of as being the smartest footballer and I don't think Stevenson would be either, but no. they, they, they have something working there. Their forward line with having those smalls but they're still giving themselves space all the time. Shows yeah, good they can coaching all mark and, and they're good all leadership. Quick and they're all they're not small. A lot of them, like Stevenson's, not actually small. Dugowie's certainly not small. Hoskin Elliott's not that small. Elliott plays a lot bigger than he is. Yeah, like they, they've been able to tall, craft but... a forward. Yeah, they've been able to craft a forward line that allows them to play that. It is like almost a sort of hybrid tall small way of approaching things because they've got enough pressure and enough uh, ability on the ground without giving away too much in the air because they all create space and lead into it and they can play that kind of style you'd have centering around tall forwards but with a sort of diverse spread of mediums it's really it's a very modern day forward line and it just works as it it's a machine and it works very very well anyway, let's move on to something a bit happier. Yeah, Port Adelaide defeated North by 16 points. Uh, probably should have been more, but we pulled it out in the end and pulled a few goals out. We did not pull the win out and uh, kicked about five straight to finish the game, which made it look a little more flattering. Yeah, well, I, I don't like doing this, but I'm probably slightly more positive than you are about that. But what I mean, is the world coming from to? It, so more <laughs> negative from my perspective, positive yeah. from your perspective. I, I didn't think you guys were too bad, to be honest. I thought... Port are the better team and look like the better yeah. team for the majority of the night. But you had little patches there when you look quite dangerous. You got some ball movement going at times. There were periods where I'm like, gee, North are really on top here and looking all right. And I guess you could argue the biggest patch of that was yeah. at the end of the game when the game was dead. But I think I don't think Port would have wanted to take the foot off the accelerator. No, Maybe that's they true. did a little bit, but I don't know. You, you looked good at times and... I probably I expected you to get smashed, particularly when I saw Higgins we as a laid out. Down too. <laughs> yeah, um, we were slightly, slightly mitigated by the fact that Jonas went out, but not that we have tall forwards to punish that. It felt like a game. Yeah, me. it felt like a proper game of footy. Yeah, we were we were a real football side. Our intensity was a lot better. Our midfield got smashed from the contested possession standpoint, but that's like, happening pretty regularly. Yeah, it, but on the whole, it wasn't. Like, we weren't just letting them run through and do whatever they want, which we had in the past. Yeah. Yeah, it was sort of... It was fine and okay in a lot of regards. The end, I'm hopeful. We sort of look at and go, yeah, direct ball movement might suit us a bit better. <laughs> yeah. We've got 
Larky's got a good set of hands. Like yeah, he, he showed, he showed a fair bit. Like yeah, he did. You can't really ask for more from a guy playing his third game and first in two years. Ben Brown sort of it allowed Ben Brown to play a bit higher. He didn't kick a goal, but he looked a little bit better as a link-up player. And he's actually fairly, yeah, he didn't he didn't do a lot. No, he didn't. But he's fairly smart. He's fairly smart kicking the ball inside fifty. And if he's not doing a lot close to goal, it's a good sort of second string to his bow that he's just never been allowed to. Can you to, see so. him being a link-up player, though, as it goes on? I, I, no, I, not, in not, my head, I felt a bit like Brown just doesn't look part of this game. Not, not a not a high-volume, that's what you want him to do, but I think it's better than just leaving him deep forward and if it's not working, don't have anything else to go to. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think Larky as a forward worked a you, lot. You've got to stick with him for a while now. Oh, if he, if he doesn't, if he gets dropped at all during the year, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, I mean... You can't say that because he might be utterly terrible for the yeah, next month. Yeah, but, but like, well, I'll be, disa- give him, I'll be disappointed him in him then. But yeah. yeah, he's he looked really good and that's positive. Taron Thomas looked fantastic. Yeah, he did some good things. He's so clean, which is just not something we have a lot of. It wasn't a disheartening performance yeah. by any means. It yeah. was it, like, we're not where I thought we were going to be or where I wanted us to be at the start of the year. And that's sort of a reality I faced a few weeks ago. So like, with yeah. the expectations I have for the season now, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, Port uh, are good, though. Yeah, I'm starting to get a bit of growing excitement about Port. They've yeah. got Collingwood this week, which is going to be really, really interesting to see if they no can stick No gray will make it yeah, tough. That, that, that does hurt them, are they? Uh, I was going to say he hasn't been at his best, but he's still... You watch a game and he still contributes. There's a lot of little just like little tap-ons and stuff, and he's always he's always a part yeah, of it. Yeah, he's just he's a small forward now, not the superstar yeah, midfielder yeah. he used to be. And uh, oh God, Travis Boak's playing well. Oh, he's, he's unbelievably well. well. Ebert's been a really successful move forward. I really like that. Like Rosie, oh my God, he's good. Can I? Uh, it's probably a good time to bring it up. Do you think Rosie or Sam Walsh? Who would you think is leading the Rising Star right now? It's become a. It's become a Sam Walsh for consistency. I would say Rosie, like quite comfortably so. Comfortably so. For the reason that Sam Walsh is playing the easier role. I think if I think any player in their first year, if you put them in the midfield, they're going to be getting numbers like 20 to 25 disposals. I don't I think... so strongly I, I think, disagree with no, that. When you... Seriously? Yes. How often 20. do we see a young player be released into the midfield a year or two into their career and all of a sudden they're getting like 30 disposals? It happens all the time. It's all about opportunity. Yeah, but not in their Sam first Sam Walsh year. actually has a chance to be their number two midfielder. And as a result, he's getting not good numbers. Not in their first year. And he's not I, their number two midfielder. But that doesn't happen. He's playing outside. He's not attending centre bounces at all. He's just playing an outside role. Like, I so strongly... We saw Stevenson do this exact same thing last year. As who? Rosie. Not to this level. Rosie, like, Rosie we don't is, know the Rosie level Rosie is a midfielder who's being asked to play a very Rosie a didn't play role. midfield as a junior. And he is breaking games apart in big moments. Rosie wasn't a junior midfielder. He was this is what he was as a junior. That, that their plan will be for him to play. Yeah, in that will in the be, future. but that doesn't mean he's playing a foreign role and adapting to it's it. Which not, is what you're a, giving him bonus points. It's not so for. much that. I, I think it's I think it is more difficult role to stand out playing as a small forward. It's very easy to get lost in that role. I think he, he is, is playing closer to apart. things we've seen before. Like I, I like how much better is he playing than in the last ten years? Well, eleven now. We've had Cyril and Stevenson win as small forwards. How much better oh, is he look, than them? Than the what Walsh? Walsh is outperforming guys like Joel Selwood considerably. Not considerably. He's averaging like twenty six touches a game. Selwood averaged like twenty one. 
I look, well, I'll have to go look at those stats again. But I don't think he's considerably been better than Selwood's first year. And I, Rosie, in terms of Stevenson, far, far, far better. Far better than Stevenson Stevens was last year. Stevenson kicked 40 goals last year. Rosie is... Do you think Rosie's going to kick 50? I've just I've watched most pork games this year, and he's tearing them apart in big moments. But anyway, that's enough of that debate. Let's move on to our top five. Yeah, top five. So top five this week. I'm pretty excited for this one. We're doing top five comparisons of AFL footballers or... <laughs> recent is AFL adjacent people because I've been a little bit loose with it uh, to Game of Thrones characters. This is going to be some fun. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting what I want. Yeah. Some Game of Thrones chat. My <laughs> number five. I've got uh, this is a purely appearance based mm-hmm. one. I've got Sean Darcy, our uh, second worst rig in the competition man, and uh, Hodor, of course, which actually is his nickname. Yes, uh, he does. This look, was an obvious one. He does this had look to be frighteningly in. like Hodor. Yeah. Uh, and he looks like. Also, probably, I've never heard him speak. Uh, I suspect he would. His voice would sound pretty similar. He wouldn't say just Sean Darcy all the time, but I think it would come out <laughs> in a similar tone. Is, Sean uh, Darcy. <laughs> yeah. What is your five? Oh, really? Okay. Just props to you for remembering placements of our past top fives, given we don't keep a record of them anywhere. So just heads. <laughs> you've made two references to that today, and I'm just impressed. By I just it. remember his. I've also gone movie. for an obvious early one. Uh, Billy Gower is, is obviously <laughs> the Lord of Light. Like I, I said, I said I was sort of wavering on the cold, but like, come on, this is just doesn't too need easy. any elaboration. No. The god of the football field versus the god. The of only, the, the only question was, is he the Lord of Light or do I think he's a high, the prince that was promised the, the, nah, nah, the, the nah, vessel on nah, earth. No, nah, he's the, he's the number one. The he's question, top of the the question I had was, he God or Jesus? And I went with God. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think we're happy with him yeah, being yeah, God. Yeah. Uh, my number four, I've got a little Liana Mormont who had a big moment yes. with, the, with the giant uh, this week. It was a and, shitty uh, plot, but yes. And little Nifty Jetta is what I've gone with. Reason being, my love for Nifty, the moment in which I fell in love with Nifty, was when he took down a giant himself, when he put a big spear tackle on the big man Aaron Sandlands in front of me, like near the front row at the G one day, what, like 10 years ago. And that was when I liked that man. Old Liana's done exactly the same thing. She's taken down a giant. <laughs> Did She's Nifty batting die above her that? weight. Uh, spoilers. Close. Spoilers. <laughs> so, yeah, well, there's going to be some spoilers. Yeah. Uh, look, that's a very personal one for you. It's a cute story, but it's a pretty it bad comparison. It reminded me of Nifty. It reminded me. So all Liana is about is talking. Like she's had one moment and in the field and it sucked. She died a pretty poor death, to be honest. And Nifty... As you say, man of few words, man of valiant actions. I I think that's... Uh, both good leaders. In their different ways, but both good leaders. Oh, I don't mind it. Is it good leadership to just commit ritual suicide in, by running at the undead? Maybe. Anyway. She did kill him, mate. Yeah, but then she died. She got the job done, all right? What's your for? Oh, speaking of personal. <laughs> yeah, this is also personal. Uh, <laughs> Luke Beveridge equals Kyburn for me. So this is where you're slotting in your beverage hating, is it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. You, I'd forgotten I had it further down the list on the rundown, so thank you for reminding yeah, me earlier. Yeah, explain. So both of them, mad scientists. Don't think that's in dispute. Luke Beveridge just decides, <laughs> you know what? Football players shouldn't play in their best position. Let's try them back. Joe Hannison, Ford. Uh, that's another one I forgot last week when I was talking about bad moves he's made. It's heaps of those. Eastern Wood, Ford. All these mad that scientists. That was quite bad, yeah. <laughs> All these mad scientist moves that just don't make sense and should never have been tried. I don't know if you can quite compare that to making crazy the, monster men. The second part, <laughs> Kyburn got sacked from the Citadel. Beveridge should get sacked from the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> 
shut up. <laughs> I mean, the, Kyburn the, hasn't won rest. Westeros like beverages won a flag, mate. That's a the, very big the, difference. <laughs> the similarities are just too big to ignore. Uh, right <laughs> Uh My number three, this is a bit of an interesting one. I've got our old mate Johnny Snow yeah. and uh, Shane Mumford both <laughs> having risen from the dead. We thought they were gone. And uh, both are, are back in town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would have been great if uh, part of Jon Snow's plotline had been he'd used a magical powder to come back, but alas, we couldn't have it exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not your worst <laughs> gag, actually. That's not too bad. What's your three? Uh, my three, Kevin Lannister, who, mm. for all of you who don't remember, is Tywin's brother, who's just pretty much not as good at anything. He's pretty boring. And Cade Collegiasny, which I think is pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Uh, just the worst college Asney. Um, pretty interesting given he was a top five draft pick and his brother was, I don't know, almost a rookie pick. But I think that one doesn't need I, I don't know if Jake's quite good enough to compare with Tywin. I mean, he's no, all right. He's, he's but pretty that's good. probably my one issue with it. Speaking of Cade College Asney, well, I've I, also I, got a, okay. uh, I've got one to go with. Uh, you don't know where I'm going with this one. I no, reckon I uh, Theon Greyjoy, because they both don't have any balls. <laughs> 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 that's oh, that's good. That's good. I like it. You had heaps of options with that one. Too. You could have uh, gone Varys. You could have gone Grey Worm. Any yeah. of the Unsullied. Theon was more interesting, though. The, yeah. the way it happened with Theon was more uh, fascinating. Well, yeah, you know, Colour Jasmine is the same. We thought, well, we didn't think Theon was a good one. could have gone Varys because but, he doesn't have any balls and doesn't show any fight, but, you know. No, no, no. Because, like, Colour Jasmine we thought was all right for a while with Theon. He, he had a little bit of fight in him, and then, then it happened. Yeah, true, and then he, true, he true. Lost, he lost had it. severe concussion, Quite but we similar. probably shouldn't joke about. Yeah, anyway, well, Theon had some severe <laughs> torture. Yeah, trauma. <laughs> trauma. Yeah. Anyway, my next one, uh, Trent Cotchen and uh, Roose Bolton. You'll have to explain yeah. this one. I, uh, I think, is, I think but... this one, once I sort of explain it, everyone will go, yeah, you know what? That's indisputable. Trent Cotchen is a real Roose Bolton. So, comes across initially, pretty good guy, very square jaw. One looks like an anime character, one's in a fantasy novel. See the similarities going there. Stop with the anime thing, yep. Uh, yeah, sort of picture-perfect guys, very loyal, very much about their house or their club. But then when you sort of go into it, both massive dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Trent Cotchen punching people elbowing people whatever else he does he does do a bit of dog and Roose Bolton you know red wedding pretty obvious yeah so, look I suppose I think of Cochin as a sneaky dog that's what I think I mean, about was Cochin. the red wedding not sneaky yeah, he, that was since I'm following that his sneakiness wasn't quite there we're they all very aware of how much of a dog I think Cochin still did, did sneaks Bolton under the do radar anything, do anything at all that was outside of the expected norms at that point. Like, he was just a normal character. Now we learned a lot that he was a bit of a dick. Like, he told he was stories a bit of, a of, like, raping someone in order to give birth to... Oh, wait, I had forgotten about stuff. that. He'd done a lot of... Yeah, he was very questionable. <sighs> yeah, I'm not going to joke about he's that not, one, so let's move he's on. He's not quite as... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Cochin might get away with it a bit more than him. Uh, my number one, I'm going with uh, Jordan DeGoey mm-hmm. and the Night King. They both have severe swagger. They're both very, very good, and they're both absolute dogs of people. <laughs> they're both pretty questionable human beings. I think you'll find Jordan Goy got bit by a dog, not that he is a dog. <laughs> yeah, he's also a dog. He's also, he's got some questionable traits, old Goy. He does. A little like the Night King, maybe not quite as extreme in the questionable trait uh, realm. Uh, but how much swagger did the Night King have? He had like a little cheeky grin going Yeah, but at, at least the Goy deserves his... 
swagger. The Night King went out like a prick. Oh, I mean, he did, he did pretty well for the most part. Wait, what were his bodyguards doing just quietly? I know, I know. I don't know how I snuck past. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, there's a few, few potters. I want to hear your number one's good. I'm happy with your number one. <laughs> so my number one, I've gone Alex Johnson is Beric Dondarrion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Both both had big moments. Both come back from the dead a lot. That's the main one here. Alex Johnson... 15 knee reconstruction, something like that. Beric Dondarrion came back from the dead 19 or 9 times. I can't remember which one. <laughs> Both eventually bit. did not have a choice but for their careers slash lives to end. Yeah, eventually they both did yeah. die. I suppose the one difference, as I was saying before to you, is uh, Alex Johnson, we wouldn't say that he fulfilled his purpose and then died. Well, like he Beric fulfilled did. his purpose on like his fourth game or however many games he played. Yeah, he won a grand final. It's a bit different to how Beric went. when he. Uh... Yeah, but to be fair, <laughs> every single thing is a bit different if you're looking at Game of Thrones and football. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not a reasonable expectation yeah. that they're that similar. Mate, plebs on Thrones next week. I'm feeling it. <laughs> we'll do a little 10-minute aside. We'll upload it. Anyway, Adelaide defeated St. Gilda by 29 points in the football again. Yeah, so this was... Was this an upset? I See, to be honest... I think I'd, by the odds makers, yes. I pretty, pretty comfortably close, and happily tipped Adelaide. I didn't really hesitate. But I suppose I've made it very clear I haven't been buying into the St. Kilda yeah. good narrative. Um, and I think this bodes pretty well for that. In fairness, though, it was Adelaide's best-looking performance for the year by quite a long way. Their systems look like they were better than they have yep. been. Uh, Tex played his best game by a long way. No Jenkins. Yeah, although apparently he played well in the Sandful. No, he didn't. He kicked three goals. They're all from the goal square. Well, yeah. So he, but they love that at Adelaide. They they hail Eddie Betts for the goal square. Goals. Maybe they don't want that anymore. I'm hearing a lot that he's a chance to be picked okay, this week. Okay. Is what I'm hearing. Although, Himmelberg, what's his first name? The other Elliot. Yeah, he's showing a little bit. So really? they think he I'm might hold him off. No, on him. Uh, he, he seems to be fitting. It could just be his well. haircut. He's playing a role. Yeah, for St Kilda. Steven was a bit better, and that was about the only positive. Yeah, <laughs> This was their worst performance by a mile. They just didn't quite have it in the same way they have all year. Their inside ball wasn't great. Their defensive pressure wasn't great. Their spread wasn't as great. They just, yeah, had a bad performance. I don't think it nullifies the good work they've done earlier in the year, but Adelaide outplayed them pretty comfortably. And I think that's more of a good sign for Adelaide that they might be riding the ship a little bit than it is a negative for St Kilda. Yeah, a lot of how you interpret this game depends on the standards you had going yeah. into it. Like, St Kilda played worse than they have been playing, but to be honest, I think maybe that's just where they sit. Adelaide played better than they have been playing, but again, probably I believe that's eventually where they're going to yeah. sit. And I, I just Adelaide have such an easy draw. They're still going to play finals. Yeah. I have no hesitation. And that was, that. that was top eight football there. Like that, that was yeah. football that you'd think yeah yeah you deserve to their, play their best footy they can they can compete in finals yeah with good teams i i, I believe and Although, if it clicks they still like they've had a shocking start to the year yeah but if it clicks they still have the capacity to be a very good side they have the list there for sure mm. and we've seen it in the past how well they can play together yeah the and there was no gibbs although he sort of looks questionable what he yeah, does for the side at the moment but questionable at the moment Anyway, do you have any more thoughts on the game? No, not particularly. Oh, well, let's move on. Hawthorne defeated Carlton by five points in a cracker. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy we moved on to this because I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about this game because I found it quite interesting to I watch. I found it terrifying given we're playing Carlton next week. But... Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, their first half, Banjo. It was exhilarating. It was genuinely good yeah. in every way. Like, So their ball movement was 
more electrifying than we've ever seen from Carlton, mm-hmm. well, at least for five yeah. years. Really helped by rising minimum. star Sam Walsh. I'm not criticising Sam Walsh. I just really like Rosie. But then their, their forward line was working. Like Mackay just looked like a star in the way that he played mm-hmm. in the first half, which he's been building that and, yeah, backed it up. And then, But even aside from that, I thought their defensive system was in place really well as well. Hawthorne did a lot of that trying to chip their way through the zone and just really on the back foot, just couldn't drive themselves forward. Um, Liam Jones took some great, like athletic contested marks. So he does those ones where he really flies over the top and takes them. Mm. Plowman was looking really good. Weedering has actually had a good year. Yeah. He's, well, he's actually, actually looking like a I good saw an player. article that had Liam Jones in all Australian discussions and that made me laugh because he's not the best key defender on that, in that yeah, side. Weedering's been significantly better, yeah. better. He's got more intercept marks, more ground ball gets, more rebound 50s. He's playing pretty much more well. everything. He's looking like a spoils. good footballer, which yeah, is and huge for him. Yeah, after they ruined two years of his career by sending him forward and mucking with his head, it's good to and see they, him back to they his don't, best. They don't need him forward now. They've got oh, a fair Harry bit Harry McCoy forward. looks so good. Yeah. He's, he's what he is. He, he looks like the best young key forward in the competition. I think the thing with him, he's the most... Typical key forward we've seen coming through. He, he looks like a stand, he looks like an actual forward. He's tall. He's good on a lead. Fantastic he's on hands. A mark. He's not. He, he's he's a forward from twenty thirty. Yeah, he's not an ago. oversized half forward flanker yeah. like we've seen come through with, like. That's not a criticism because Buddy's great and he's an oversized half forward flanker. Jeremy Cameron's great and he's an oversized yeah. half forward flanker. Eric Kipwood might be great and he's an oversized half forward flanker. We've seen that come through a lot more recently where you're more mobile but not as strong in the air. Yeah. Mackay, while still being pretty good around his knees and, yeah, yeah, and pretty he's still mobile, and is clean. fantastic. He's the best overhead mark come through in so long and the stats bear that out. He's had the second most contested marks to start a year since Lloyd and like yes contested marks weren't taken as a stat till about Lloyd but it's still like over that period he's the second best at it but anyway if we stop being overly positive about Carlton they did still lose the game they and did. we're back to that thing I was talking Could about a couple they have of weeks forgotten ago how to win <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, we're back to that discussion where I, so I've been listening to a bit of SCN this week and you have some Carlton supporters calling in fuming about the fact they lost and how bad it is for them and you have other ones saying you know I think it's a good thing we showed how we can play then we learnt a lesson about switching off at half time and there's, there's still that thing of do you accept it, honourable losses like maybe if they had their own draft pick <laughs> no but no what, but like seriously that matters if this was ending up with them having a good year where they develop and they get closer to winning and it's a positive step and they still got something out of it yeah, it'd be better. Yeah, look, it but matters. It doesn't tie it all. The wins would just be better. It matters. But from the prism of the club, they're looking towards are we improving and are we... Oh, they're definitely improving. Yeah, but they there does come a point where you have to start turning them into wins. And the question is, have they been that good this year? They've won one game. But they have been significantly better than they have in previous years. And to be honest, I don't know the answer to that question. Having been a Melbourne supporter for a long time, I don't know... Okay, so let's forget we're crap now. But if I was looking yeah. at it from last year, looking back, I don't know whether those bad losses or those honourable losses we had, I don't know whether they actually did reinvigorate us and drive us forward and they were good learning curves or whether realistically none of that really mattered and we were just... So the way <laughs> I look at it, a bad loss is so much worse than an honourable well, loss. Well, of course. Like, like, that, like, I'm just starting as like a hypothetical. Did you expect Carlton to be more than... One and five, or significantly more than one and five. Not significantly more, no. Then I think they're being better than they're being to. But, but the question is, do you pat them on the back? 
Do you say good stuff, Carlton? You're playing well. You're improving, or do you say you you blew a game you should have won? You were killing them at halftime and you blew it. Yeah, it, it is tough. And, and they I, blew I it think in patches. I they tend, blew it quickly. It was... I tend to look at most things like this through a player lens. Like it's the same way I look at preseason. You're not going to learn too much about the team, and I don't think this adds too much information about the team. But it's great to see the players improve, and I think that's more of an indicator of. How this what this means for them going forward yeah. than the actual win or loss. I think if I had to pick somewhere, I'd be in the positive camp of being they're yeah. doing they're doing a good job. But I, I can Normally, see the other I side. would agree, except for the fact they made that stupid trade. But they, they should have won this game. They absolutely should yeah. have won this game. They had it by the scruff of the neck. So. And they probably almost should have drawn it on the way back, given that Fisher hit the post. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, they had so many. I think chances. Mackay took a mark just after Siren as well yeah. and stuff. So they're, they're like they easily could have. Anyway, let's go to the most probably most shocking result of the round. Yeah, it wasn't say a so. wasn't a round full of upsets. But Geelong defeated West Coast by fifty eight points. Geelong are really good, and West Coast need to get their shit together. Yeah, I suppose we say most shocking result depends how you define shocking in the sense of it wasn't completely out of the blue for West Coast because they no. were pretty bad last week as well. But then and you can pretty say pretty bad it's against Brisbane. Shocking because it arguably is starting to feel real. It's been it's been two weeks, and they were really well, bad. It's been this week. three out of the first six. Yeah, I yeah, I suppose so. Like round one doesn't matter until it's a pattern. It's kind of a pattern. So this was their this was their worst looking performance for the year. I don't know. Last week was pretty bad too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was really bad. I just don't know whether what what was worse. West Coast were at home last week. It was the same problems though. They didn't look like they could move the ball, and their midfield just got smashed. Their midfield is, I think, the predominant cause of the problems. They just cannot win the contested ball enough to get by. And that was all they did last year. They won the contested ball enough to get by and their ball movement and their precision was better than everyone else's by and enough. And defence as well. Yeah, and was, that was all their better. defence still isn't bad at the moment. They're missing Barras okay. and it's making McGovern play more accountable, which is hurting their turnovers. Like it, It's spiralling a bit. Like They really miss Barras in a way that probably isn't appreciated by the media enough yeah, okay. outside of Western I'd say Australia. That, that, like, that, uh, that's worse than it was last year, mm. but I don't think that is the primary issue. They're, no, they're yeah, having issues true. in the contest and they're having issues moving the ball. Yeah, as I said earlier, Gaff dropped off massively. Sheed was great the first couple of rounds, but since Gaff came back and he's sort of only half been in the midfield, he's playing a lot on the half-forward flank. He's not having anywhere near as much influence on a game. Elliot Yo is down on last year as well, and Quite that's their three. Redden is down on last year, and that's their four best midfielders. So, do you do you see that as as simple as they're all just a bit out of form? Are they playing the wrong roles? I, I think Sheed and Gaff, it's a role issue, and it, it's not a. It, it's not necessarily they're playing the wrong roles. They don't have a role that they can both play together. Like they could quite easily have one play what they did last year or in Chief's case the back end of last year and the other play a slightly marginalized role. But they can't they don't have a system that figures out how to have both of them in there playing as full-time mids because they ask them to play too similar a role and the lacking diversity of what they're asking them to do is hurting because the way they inputting diversity on them is by just significantly taking away their strength. Sheed is in a half-forward flank, and Gaff, at this point, is better when he's not a wingman. Like, yeah, it's just the he, case. He, he can he's play an elite wing, wingman. he can play it well. But he's not but doing it well this year. His best football was whilst he was an inside mid last yeah. year. 
And yeah, they're missing something there. Yo and Red and I do think are, I I think those actually are um, form issues. Yeah, Yo Yo very much. A little bit, I think. He's a good player. He's just not playing that well. They kind of miss Lysett. He's playing really well for Port, and he's he was just a better. He's not Job Vardy as well. Yeah, he's not a great tap ruckman, but he's a really good. I'm not going to lose the tap. Yeah, he's a negator. He's a he's a nank. Yeah, and Max Gorn calls him the toughest ruckman to play against in the competition, and yeah. that's really high praise. They're just not quite clicking. I think they will. I give them the benefit of the doubt, but it does need to come around sooner or later. Yeah, and Geelong, we've we've talked this to death. Really, it's probably mo- the most the most just simple one year reinvigoration of yeah. the team. It's I think really easy to identify how they've changed it's, too. Yeah, they, they've made some yeah very noticeable changes and they all seem to be working and they're playing with a complete freshness yeah, you that just, just didn't exist for a few years. You can list them off the top of your head. They've injected forward pressure. They've put Gary Rowan in a really uh, like magnified role, which has worked out well. They've put Ablett Ford as a creator. So this week. And they've put Selwood out to the wing to allow more flexibility through the midfield. And every one of those has worked. And, and they've maintained their... extra kids as well with Constable, yeah. etc. And they've maintained their defensive integrity, which is really important. Like Last year, they had a fantastic defense. Yeah. and That's I always thought, been a strength. Yeah, but yeah. I thought it was the, one of the reasons they had a fantastic defense is because of the way they attacked. And they attacked to mitigate... Uh, the ability for a turnover to hurt them. I thought they attacked down the wing and through the pockets in a way that meant they yeah, could okay. set up defensively a lot better. They've changed that, but their defensive structure's held, and that is a fantastic coaching job from Chris Scott. Yeah. Um, he's copped that knock for a long time of being that he was handed a premiership yeah. team and he's not that good. He does I've always thought team. he's a good coach, and he's always done things at times on game day which have been different and have yeah. made differences to them, and we've seen him now do it. Pri- I think he made a mistake last year in how he handled yeah. it last year. I'd but agree. But he's fixed all that up, and they're looking like a really good team. I think awesome if he... Job. like Obviously, if he wins a premiership with this side, it's a monumental effort. Like The way they've turned over the list without bottoming out, while they had some innate advantages with guys like Paddy Dangerfield coming and Ablett coming back, it's still a fantastic job. But anyway, should we move on to Poochie's mailbag? Mailbag time. Mailbag time. We're going to get our producer, who we've neglected to introduce so far, to uh, read out the questions for us. Take it away, Liam. Cheers, fellas. Uh, Given Steve Hocking has said the public needs to give umpires greater respect, should the AFL make public the weekly rule they crack down on? Should they publicly announce their preferred interpretation on grey areas, such as prior opportunity or incorrect disposals? I think the second half is a lot more important than the first half the weekly rule it's infuriating but it's not that big a deal that they work on things and isolate things and it it, it changes when stuff gets lapsed and left behind that's pretty natural i would it would be nice for them to be transparent about what they're refocusing on but it's not the biggest deal the fact did you know they rewrote half the rule book this year and not just the rule changes they rewrote the way they framed the rules. No, I didn't know And that. they didn't tell anybody to round four it when they released weird. the rules of the game. How often have we heard the thing of there is no rule of the week? And there, there's not technically, like there's not, oh, they don't... There's so no, but they, is, No, though. but they don't make a new rule every week. But yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. have their, their, their umpiring meetings in between the week. They're coaching sessions, basically, yeah, which like, they say, oh, we missed this, we should focus on this more, yeah. and then it becomes a thing. And that's not it a is, bad thing to do. Yeah, like, that, they, that's an it's appropriate the fact that, way to govern yourselves. 
I don't know why they shy away it's, from it. Yeah, it's the fact that they bury it that makes it an issue. But they, yeah, yeah, they should say, yeah, we've had a look at it this week. Uh, we want to fix up some of this stuff. We'll be focusing on this. And then I think people would be more accepting. Yeah, of but I of also it. think it's staggering the lack of transparency around the way they've rewritten the rules. I wouldn't have known about this because it hasn't been covered in the media. I saw a guy yeah, go... Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I saw a guy on Twitter go through the rule book from last year that he had saved and the copy from this year. And it's vastly different. I think we had to look into that a bit more. I don't know if I trust John off Twitter. His name was Ryan, but sure. <laughs> like, I, I'm not sure about that. Anyway. But yeah, I think that's a bigger deal. The way they are way too vague in what they want out of the yeah, rules. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, next question. Was the Jesse Hogan trade a mistake for both Frio and Melbourne, given that Frio's major goal kickers were already at the club last year? More so for Melbourne. That's just what I'm going to start with. <laughs> is, this, is this Poochie again? Yes, it is. He's hitting me where it hurts. He knows the soft spot at the moment. Uh, uh, look, it would, Frio won that trade by an absolute mile. Jesse Hogan has made their forward line look so much better. Jesse Hogan is an incredibly smart forward. Say mm. what you want about him, but he understands forward craft as much as any other forward you'll see. He knows where to go. He knows times his body well, knows how to use the body. He makes space in order for him to market and for others to market. I think he's a major reason why Fremantle's forward line is looking better, and he's a major reason why their other goal kickers this year are kicking goals. Melbourne, on the other hand, <laughs> our forward system was Jesse Hogan. He defined our system. He created our system, and everyone else worked around him. Right now, we are completely lost, and I would do absolutely anything to have him back, including trade main college Jasney. Mate, main college Jasney, but in summary, stuffed. It was only a mistake for Melbourne. Yes, yes, it was a that trade was right now. That looks like an enormous win for Freo. Absolutely, we have to wait for May to come back, but it looks like a massive win for Freo. And Hogan <laughs> will kick more goals, and even though he's not, he's moving up the ground well enough. For, oh, he's playing well. Yeah, for the system to be a tick anyway. Next question. Will Aya kill Cersei like everyone kills North <laughs> Melbourne? This was from Charlie. I don't think Aya will kill Cersei, but no, I do won't. think teams will con- to, uh, continue to kill North Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Aya won't kill Cersei. Jamie's definitely killing Cersei. I, 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 I'd, I put, I'd put serious money on that. I'm super confident. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There is that small chance it's Tyrion, but I do. The runaway favourite's Jamie. I, I'm I'm pretty certain. Jamie's I wouldn't give him more than dollar ten odds. I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd put, I'd put a bit of money on it. He'd still I genuinely take it, would. He? If there's a market on sports bet, let me know. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a look after. I'm, the I'm pod. pretty confident. Next question: uh, Is Stephen <laughs> Cornelio the best player at GWS? Great question. Was that Poochie as well? I'm not sure. Who it was, was Poochie. Yes, I love you, Pooch. You're actually sending me a question I like for once. Yes, yes, he is. You know who agrees with me? Gary Lyon does, and Tim Watson does. Both of them have confidently said that he is a better player than Josh Kelly, which I've been telling you for how many years now, Banjo? You've been wrong for how many years? You continue to be wrong. Hey, Gary Lyon and Tim, whatever. Jesus Christ, I forgot. Watson, Tim Watson continue mate, to be Job's wrong. dad. He, he's a superstar. He is, he is their most important player, and I've said it a million I times. Disagree. It's because he does everything you want a midfielder to do. He does it offensively. He does it defensively. He kicks I goals. I just like how you ignore he the fact that contest, Kelly is a fantastic outside. defensive runner and a good pressure player. Not as good as Cornelio. Yeah, and Cornelio's, and Cornelio's a leader as well. He picks people up. You Josh can te- Kelly's in their leadership group. What are you talking about? None of your none of your arguments are differentiating what Cornelio does from Kelly. I think Cornelio is... 
Like yeah. not, not a massively, massively better defensive player, but I think there is enough of a gap there for me to happily say it. I do not. Kelly is a much, much more damaging player too. Whatever, Banjo. I don't think we're going to no, get over this debate. This absolutely will never but end. I like the question, Pooch, and uh, Gary and Tim are with me. Alrighty, next question, last question. If North Melbourne Football Club was a character from Game of Thrones, who would they be? This was from Dan. So, I'm not entirely sure of a character, but I do, and I, I'll, I'll go, I've, I've got an idea of a character, but I will go through I the house first. I know for me, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're House Stark. <laughs> get stuffed. The North, obviously. We're a little bit poor, by a lot poor, and the house, the Starks are the poorest of the big houses. We're, uh, we were always competitive, and we've gone through a shit time recently. You're just nowhere near relevant enough to be the Starks, mate. Well, the no Star- one cares yeah, about no, Everyone know, cares about the Starks. Like, while I disagree with you, the Starks were the irrelevant big house for the majority of the uh, Seven Kingdoms as well. They did their own thing. Mate, we're talking about the show Game of Thrones, and they are very relevant to it, unlike North Melbourne to the AFL competition. That's just completely wrong. The but best if I'm comparison... going to say a character, let, just let me finish. All right, all right. Definitely this stage, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, mate, it's Theon, except without the redemption arc. It's just the, the <laughs> shitty Theon who we all hate, and he gets smashed all the time. We all hate It's Theon. just that. That's all it is. But I'm anyway. I say, at this table, you're outnumbered, Scott. Yeah, we'd need a new producer. Uh, on to our final uh, segment, which is when we ask a question off the Facebook page, Battle Situations with Unexpected Handicaps. We've got many left. No, we're running really low. <laughs> this one's not great. <laughs> Bender from Futurama, but 80% of his circuits have been fried versus Fry from Futurama, but he has just come off a three-day Bender. <laughs> bender? <laughs> A three-day bender. No, no, no. I'm, I'm oh, saying my answer. Bender. Eighty percent of his circuits have been fried. He's only got twenty percent function left. Yeah, but, but what's Fry gonna do yeah. to a metal robot? Bender would destroy him in normal combat, and he's yes. got like the uh, long arms that extend yeah. and stuff. He would utterly destroy him in normal combat. Also, eighty percent of Fry, he wouldn't be able to move. I would just want to know Fry if you come over and bitch slap him. If like, you're coming over off a three-day bender yourself, where are you at? And I'm assuming it's a proper bender. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like like, are you at more than 20% function? Oh, yeah. Yeah, more than 20%. Yeah, a robot at 20%. He's that, still a I, goddamn I robot made of metal. So what if I bitch slaps him? What's it do? It breaks his hand. Ah, he'd knock him over and then he'd stamp on him a bit. You've seen, he gets I'm, dented a so lot. I, 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 I gotta admit, dirty bender, yeah, a lesser bender. But that's about all Fry's gonna do to him. He's gonna put a bit of dirt on him. I think, I just think 20% is just such low functioning, it's not funny. And I think, I, I think Fry could just do whatever he wants so to if he, No, I'm with Fry on this Fry, one. If he has use of one of his four limbs, which I'll admit is 25% usage, Fry is dead. He got the sore hands and everything. Fry is dead with one limb. I'm thinking 20%. He's like, he literally just like can't. He, he, his arms would just be like flying around. He just wouldn't be able to. I still think if his arms doing. are flying around randomly, Fred, Fry gets Fry hit could once just and step over and kick him down and then stamp on him until he's dead, mate. Fry's got this in the bag. I've never thought you've had been this wrong in this question, <laughs> type of question before. Anyway, that's it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. The end of the... Plebs on Thrones for the week. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very Game of Thrones heavy uh, pod. I uh, hope you listen again next week. Is he not like Game of Thrones? He doesn't watch it, man. Really? Yeah, yeah miss out. Uh, Neither did. Stringer. Really? Yeah. Oh, I think less of my friends now. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs>